It's been a couple of weeks since our last podcast, and as always, so much has happened in the meantime as the pandemic continues to grind on. Amid repeated calls for a border reopening plan, not to mention some sort of sense from the government in relation to cruising, we've also seen a lot of enthusiasm from agents about domestic business as they participated in the Australian Tourism Exchange. Our Victorian industry colleagues have endured yet another harsh lockdown, which has in turn slammed travel demand. And this week, we even have our first live listener feedback. So much going on. Let's get into it. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Sarah Bayer, and this is News on the Fly. In the last few episodes, we've been seeking input from you, our faithful listeners, through our confidential WhatsApp line. And this week, a comment really resonated with what I think most of the industry is feeling. Let's have a listen. I wanted to make a comment regarding my um, frustration on the lack of progress towards international travel resuming. I understand we can't open to the whole world tomorrow, but I really feel that there's more steps that we could take, even if they're small steps. For example, I look at some countries in the Pacific, like the Cook Islands and um, Tonga, who've recorded no COVID cases at all throughout the pandemic, or Samoa and Vanuatu, who've only recorded single digit cases. And I think, well, why can't we try and get some travel bubbles happening with countries like that? You know, just small little steps to feel like that we're moving in the right direction. So, Bruce, what's happening on borders and travel bubbles? Is there any progress happening there? Yeah, look, firstly, thanks so much to our contributor. It is so great to know that people are listening and we really do welcome your feedback. And re-borders, it is definitely a vexed issue and I think the industry really deserves some good news. But unfortunately, despite a bit of rhetoric about this in the last couple of weeks from Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, and Tourism Minister Dan Tehan, to me, it appears precious little progress is being made. Huh. So what's the issue? We're seeing travel start to open up overseas, but here we remain firmly locked behind borders. Is there any appetite for an opening up or is it just talk from the politicians? That's an excellent question and one that interestingly and perhaps controversially was raised by Philippa Harrison, uh, MD of Tourism Australia. Um, I spoke to her this week at Australian Tourism Exchange in Sydney. Everyone probably remembers the sensational smackdown that Jane Hoodlicker from Virgin Australia got a couple of weeks ago when she urged the reopening of international borders but unwisely um, put in the sort of soundbite, some people may die. Um, a comment totally taken out of context, by the way, but leapt on by the mainstream media. Philippa put it a bit more diplomatically, but the sentiment was the same. She said, we need to move from COVID zero, this eliminationist strategy seemingly pursued by the government, to COVID normal, meaning this disease is in the world and we're just going to have to deal with it. Clearly, vaccination is the way forward for that, but I'm also a bit concerned that the federal government is clearly becoming pretty fixated on re-election. And that means, in their mind, they have to keep pushing this sort of alarmist agenda of having zero cases. In fact, uh, earlier this week, I was pretty horrified at a Scott Morrison press conference uh, on Monday when he was asked about international border openings, and he went on and on about how in the UK they've still got about 4,000 cases a day, despite more than 70% of the population being vaccinated. 
Look, he clearly doesn't get that what they should be reporting, and what he focused on, by the way, way back in March last year, was that this whole thing is all about flattening the curve of hospitalisations and deaths, which we've absolutely done. But there's going to be cases of coronavirus in the world forevermore. We're not going to eliminate it. And these scaremongering comments from the PM to me indicate that he just sees votes in keeping the borders closed. Hmm, pretty disappointing. You said you spoke to Philippa Harrison at the Australian Tourism Exchange. What was the general feeling there? Um, Look, it was a very different ATE to pre-COVID events, and naturally, because those closed borders mean that there are very, very few international buyers there. In fact, only a handful who I understand were able to come along because they, although they live and work overseas, they're actually Australian citizens, and so they were able to enter the country and do their two weeks of quarantine in order to attend. Look, it was really great to see people able to gather together and network, a bit like old times, and there was a really fantastic welcome function at the Rocks in Sydney on Monday night, which was a great reunion for many people. It was also interesting to see how parts of the industry are pivoting to domestic. Um, You know, familiar faces who previously I would meet at overseas gatherings like, you know, Hello World, Express Travel Group conferences, etc., now appearing at ATE because they're representing domestic products and destinations. Um, The whole thing was funded by the government. Tourism Minister Dan Tien confirmed it was paid for with about $6.5 million in money. Um, I think it was actually designated as bushfire recovery funding from last year. And interestingly, lots of travel agents were there as buyers. So definitely a learning experience for them because they've been previously heavily focused on international. Um, And many participants were also generously treated to a fabulous FAMIL program prior to ATE, as well as uh, given flights and three nights accommodation to actually attend the event. It was a great initiative, a great showcase for the industry, great leadership by Tourism Australia to highlight the return of business events. In fact, the lunch on the first day was the biggest catered gathering at ICC Sydney since the start of the pandemic. Uh, they started, uh, they served meals for about 1,400 people. However, The dark cloud that hovered over the whole thing was this blessed Victorian lockdown, which meant that nearly 180 people weren't able to be there at the last minute. Tourism Australia did make provision for a hybrid event. There were virtual connections to all those people stuck in Melbourne. And ATE actually does continue next week in a virtual format um, for overseas buyers. But I think having the physical event really starkly showed that no matter how great all this Zoom and teams and whatever technology is, it's just not the same as getting together in person. Another big story over the last couple of weeks has been a major IT issue at APT Travel Group, which appears to be the victim of a cyber attack. Do we know what happened? You really have to feel for APT. They must just think how much more can they take. After more than 12 months of the pandemic, little prospect of an international restart soon, and now they've gotten hit by what I'm guessing is a ransomware attack exactly at the same time as Victoria got locked down. We don't have all the details, but they're definitely not the only Australian business to be hacked this month. There's been a number of others, um, including a major meat processor. Um, What we do know is that the cyber intrusion took out the whole ATG operation. Websites, phones, reservation systems, email, you name it. Wow, that's got to hurt. So where's it at now? Did they lose any data? And are they back up and running again? Partly, um, look, they very quickly implemented contingency plans, but they involved setting up, you know, pretty much, you know, generic Outlook email addresses. The lockdown further complicated things because nobody could work from home. Um, it's my understanding that they've now got the reservation system up and running, and they've got a dedicated team working on bookings, obviously prioritised on ones departing in the next month. 
they're asking the industry for patience because call times are being extended. And I think the main websites are up and running, but not the ATG Connect agent portal at this stage, I believe. As far as data loss goes, look, when they first announced it, they did mention a possibility that some customer details had been taken, and they're dealing with the appropriate privacy regulators and forensic experts to figure out the extent of that, they're going to contact individuals if it's found that there has been a leak of their information. This month's issue of Travel Bulletin is out now, and in the cover story, we take a deep dive into the results of the recent Travel Daily Survival Survey. Some of the findings are pretty bleak, like the fact that almost 60% of travel business sales in April this year were still more than 90% down compared to April 2019 but other stats show the resilience of the industry. If that's piqued your interest, visit travelbulletin.com.au to read it and more in the June issue of Travel Bulletin. It's now just a week until the government's current biosecurity emergency declaration expires on 17th June. This legislative instrument is what is keeping international cruise ships out of Australian waters, as well as maintaining our strict caps on passenger numbers flights into the country. There's widespread expectation that this will be extended for another three months until the 17th of September, but with no detail at all on a restart plan from the government at this stage, the cruise sector is becoming increasingly vocal in pressing for some action. What are you hearing on this big issue, Bruce? Well, look, clearly, you know, with no update at this late stage, they're certainly not going to lift the ban, but I do have a strong expectation that they won't extend it without at the same time laying out some sort of a plan to resumption. However, Cruise continues to be on the nose, and it's my understanding that unlike the situation in the USA, where you've got some states absolutely dependent on cruise tourism, there's just no politician here who is brave enough to back the industry. I've heard a number of rumours, definitely expectation that something will be announced in the next week, I presume at the same time as the three-month extension of the biosecurity emergency period. But what that's going to be at this stage um, is still anyone's guess. Given the attitude of the federal government to border openings so far, and also you know what I was just talking about in terms of Scott Morrison's rhetoric, I wouldn't be surprised if the feds abrogate responsibility to the individual states and territories, maybe some sort of a framework, but allowing each jurisdiction to have its own rules. Now, that might be good news for a restart in New South Wales, where the state government has done such a great job keeping businesses going, implementing systems to track and trace coronavirus. So maybe we might initially see some cruises to nowhere out of Sydney. Having said that, Queensland may not want to be left behind. Um, Anastasia Palaszczuk suddenly seems to have realised that tourism is kind of important to that state. Um, And they do have that fabulous new cruise terminal in Brisbane, which interestingly saw Carnival Australia host a bunch of travel agents this week. But WA, the NT, you know, key for the Kimberley, they might be a little more tricky. Huh. And if there is a plan announced, what are the chances of getting a big ship summer season in place for Australia this year? Look, as it's been right through this pandemic, the industry's probably hoping for the best but planning for the worst. I was at a News Corp event last week where Tourism Minister Dan Tian actually mentioned the C word, I think for the first time, and he promised that there would be something announced on cruise by mid-June, which if you're listening, Minister, that's next week, so we really want to hear from you. Big ships? Well, Royal Caribbean still has its Ovation of the Seas season out of Sydney on the books. They haven't cancelled those departures, which are sort of 20... 2021-22 summer. But interestingly, they have confirmed that Ovation is going to be part of the Royal North American restart, cruising in Alaska, which would mean that it's got to move from Singapore, where it's been operating that very successful uh, bubble season of domestic cruises, to North America in August, and then back to Australia in October or November for the local season. Not impossible, but 
to me, it seems unlikely. So I suspect, that, suspect there will be a season, but it's certainly not going to look like originally planned. Maybe it'll be reduced capacity, maybe cruises to nowhere, maybe even cruises for vaccinated passengers only. Um, you know, Tian did mention the possibility of trans-Tasman, so, you know, hope springs eternal. Hmm. Well, we can only hope. Wrapping things up, this week we've had confirmation from Hello World that its wholesale brands, Viva and Sun Lover, will no longer be offering flexible terms to allow bookings to be changed through the pandemic. What's been the reaction to that? Look, as you'd expect, absolute fury, frustration, and almost disbelief. Um, to me, Hello World just seems to be pushing the boundaries of any uh, agent relationships that it has. We've been contacted by dozens of agents who are absolutely livid about this, particularly some in Victoria, where after yet another lockdown, there's absolutely no appetite from consumers to book anything at all, to transfer those deposits to new bookings or anything. The deposits are just $55 per person, and Hello World is probably saying, well, what's all the fuss about? But the agents who value their relationships with their clients are all saying they're going to have to refund those deposits themselves out of their own pocket. And the money that the clients have already paid to Hello World will just end up in the Hello World coffers. Really not a good look, and the last thing the agents need. And to me, quite strange behaviour for an organisation which is hoping to maintain its network you know, as the industry recovers from COVID-19. As I've said, we've had lots of comments on this, but there are so many profanities in there, I really can't repeat them because we'll lose our family-friendly rating on iTunes. Wow. Well, let's hope there's better news next week, even if we can get some sort of crew resumption plan in place, as well as maybe some protocols for travel bubbles that might give the industry something to cling on to. Thanks for listening. And as we always say, please rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you use to help your industry colleagues find us. Please leave your voice messages on our WhatsApp tip line. Details are in the show notes. And we'll be back in a fortnight with more news on the fly. We're going to exit this week with a sentiment from our feedback line caller that I think resonates with all of us. After the budget, uh, I feel very uh, demoralised, uh, to be honest, and I feel more needs to be done to give the travel industry hope. Thanks again for everything you do. Bye.